0: You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. We've been going through um, a sermon series titled Practice Makes Progress, and what we've been talking about each and every week is a spiritual discipline, a spiritual practice, a way that we can be focused and disciplined as individuals, so that our relationship with God would progress would grow would blossom, would be deeper and truer and stronger so you know we 've covered a different topic each week we 've talked about prayer we 've talked about worship we 've talked about Sabbath uh, fellowship uh, bible study and and more there's been there's been lots and I think naturally if you 've been here for more than one, probably um, one topic might strike you more than another right like one thing might jump out at you at, on one given sunday and the other sunday maybe not so much and that's good because that means you're listening um so the as, as we conclude this week we have one more to to talk about and it's a discipline or a practice that i think that uh, the other ones really lead up to they really contribute to the other things that we've talked about kind of flow into this and this is sort of a good way to finish because i think it's a a result of doing the other things which we've talked about so i want to read first before we talk i want to read a piece of scripture for you a very very good part of um they're all good but just a such a powerful part of the gospel of john um, the book of john is is 21 chapters long and i'm going to be reading from chapter 15 so jesus has been born he's grown up he's He's ministered and and uh, and being the presence of God in the world as he was and and so by the fifteenth chapter or so we're getting close to or, or near anyways we're getting close to his, uh, his his accusation and and trial and death but we're not quite there yet so before that happens there's there's a few chapters this long amazing teaching from Jesus to his followers to his disciples where he's really just saying it like it is. He's explaining things. He's, he's telling them about who he is. He's telling them about who they are as well. I'm just going to read three or four verses. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to open to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. I'm reading verses 9 to 11. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you abide in my love if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full let's pray for a moment now together dear loving father I thank you that you've sent your Son and that Jesus has taught us to abide in you, to obey and abide in your love. And God, I ask that today we would learn about this, this joy, the true joy that results from doing this. And that Holy Spirit, you would lead us into celebration because of this, because of the relationship that we have with you, our Father, through your Son, Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So to complete the the series about spiritual disciplines, what I want to discuss this morning and bring forward to you is the idea of celebration as a spiritual discipline, celebration as a spiritual practice. Christians are to be disciplined and practicing this act of, of celebration the joy that's been given to us through knowing jesus is a thing that we must continue to celebrate to practice celebrating day in day out as we grow now as i say this some of us might be thinking really celebration as a spiritual discipline nah, okay <laughs> um, and and if that's you i'm glad you're here this morning because as I prepared and, and prayed and read, I was asking myself the same question, right? I was thinking, should, is this what we need to talk about in, in the end of this series? But I was convinced, and, and God showed me, you know, all through His Word, how this is indeed a thing which Christians are, are called to grow and, and uh, be strong in, is celebration So first we ask the question, well, why, why, why do we celebrate? Why must Christians, uh, what do we have to celebrate? And and certainly why do we have to be, you know, disciplined or practicing this thing, which we'll call celebration? The simple answer is that celebration is at the very center, the very heart of Christianity. Celebration is at the beginning of Jesus' life. It was at the end of Jesus' life and his resurrection, not to mention all of the anticipation and, and, and celebration that led up to Jesus' birth long before he was, he was even around. People were celebrating the coming Messiah with hope and, and anticipation. Jesus' life began with exuberant, terrifyingly exuberant celebration from heaven. You know, the angels were indeed celebrating in heaven, but they came to earth to announce the the birth of Jesus Christ and it was so full and, and, and glorious that the shepherds who heard it were terrified in Luke it says and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field they were keeping watch over their flock by night and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear and the angel said to them fear not for behold I bring to you Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What kind of news did the angels bring? What kind was it? It was good news. The gospel is good news. It wasn't bad news. It wasn't boring news. It wasn't irrelevant or useless or anything else like that. It was good news. Jesus' birth announcement was the, the most worthy thing to be celebrated. And the angels knew it, and they did. And they terrified the poor shepherds. Though, the, though they told the shepherds, go find him. And the result was the shepherds celebrating what they had found as well so jesus was born born in a in a poor disgusting place as humble as can be and yet the angels knew how glorious this thing was and so they celebrated they announced it and celebrated and then remembering what we read in john 15 this is years later right? jesus talks about the result of what's happened why he came and live the life he did and serve the Father in the way he did, how he obeyed perfectly. And he tells his disciples, This is so that you may receive the fullness of joy. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus shares this with his followers, his disciples, and we who are Christians, who follow him, receive this same gift benefit um, of the the spiritual and and deep joy of knowing him so to define celebration for us you know because we think of well birthday parties and, and all kinds of things and those are celebrations but in this context let's think of celebration as the outpouring of this joy with thanksgiving right it's the response of the response to the joy which we receive through jesus it's our thanksgiving it's our expression therein we celebrate christ now speaking of celebration part of the reason that i I felt like this was a good thing to share with us is because christians generally speaking aren't exactly known for being a people of celebration i don't think anyways if, if you did uh street interviews like rick mercer and stuck microphones in people's faces asking them what they thought of christians i i I would be shocked if the first thing that comes to mind you know is this word celebration i don't exactly think that celebrating is our strong suit i think it's an area that we can and indeed need to grow in in christian culture you know generally speaking i'm not I'm not talking about the gate specifically, but us as Christians, right? Christians in the world. Uh, This also stems not just from where Christians are at, though. I think culturally, too, we have a really, um, I don't know, stifled understanding of of what celebration means. And I I think culturally we're, we're bad at at celebrating. Um, some people say, well, you know, the modern life is, is just the burden, right, of work and productivity, and we're driven by that. And then, and then at the end of the day, we, we, we have nothing left even to, to celebrate with. And so, and nowadays, you know, we live in a digital culture, so we tend to uh, shut off by, by staring at our screens until, until it's time to fall asleep or whatever. And that's kind of a, not a great thing either. I don't, I, it's certainly not celebration. And so it's not just a, a Christian problem, but culturally, too, I think we, we struggle to really feel like celebrating. So we need to practice it. We need to grow, you know, as God's people to, to even lead the way in, in what celebrating can and should look like. And like I said, I, I look at myself and I reflect on my life and, and I think, yeah, you know, I I'm not... Great at this. I, I take myself too seriously sometimes. I um, I tend to have uh, an earthly perspective, which um, you know makes my hope grow more dim. Right when I when I look around and I take my eyes off of God and and I just see the world and and all of its problems and how it's falling apart and so on and so on. It's easy to get depressed about it, to feel hopeless, and and certainly not to feel like celebrating if that's if that's all there is. So we forget the truth of God and the living hope, right? We talked about that in 1 and 2 Peter, the hope that we have and and how that causes us to to have joy and to celebrate, to know that God is good, that his plan is perfect, that he's saved us, he's redeeming the world through his son Jesus. Jesus. So when we take our eyes off of God, it's very easy for our joy to grow dim. So I think we need to, like I said, practice this uh, concept of celebration, to practice uh, expressing our joy and thanksgiving to the Lord. So continuing to answer the question about why, why, why should we celebrate? I mean, the Bible is literally full of reasons for us to do this. I'll read just a couple. Jesus preached about it in Luke 4. And Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet of Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has appointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogues were fixed on him. So again, I say the news that Jesus brought was good. News. It was liberty, it was healing, freedom, God's favor. And if we hear these things and we know them, if we know Jesus, these are things which we receive from him. These are indeed a cause for us to celebrate. We celebrate these. From Psalm 150, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. His excellent greatness. This is a psalm about worship, and then it goes on to talk about all the noise that we'll make, right? With music and singing and the ways that we'll celebrate with song. Praising God for His excellent greatness. Then in Philippians 4, 4-5, to we're told this, to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. We rejoice because God is with us. Again, I say rejoice always. We are to be rejoicing as God's people for He is with us. This is a cause for us to rejoice. So, as I as I challenge us to uh, grow and, and to practice celebrating it's not just because i'm afraid christians are boring or that people won't like us or that we're not having fun it's because god's word explains this again and again right how how this is to be our response to god and how we can embody this joy and express this joy by celebrating what god has done and is doing knowing god is the greatest thing ever Right, knowing God is the greatest thing ever. I want to live celebrating that fact, and I want my life to uh, show this truthfully to the people around me. So, how can I do this? How can we? How can we put this into practice? How can we celebrate? What would it look like if we were to be more disciplined in doing this? I think that there are um, three areas that this can take place. Okay. There's kind of like three spheres. We can think of a Venn diagram or whatever. They're they're all connected. And at the center, as all the lines overlap, is Jesus. But uh, I'll list kind of three ways or, or arenas that celebration can and should be taking place in Christians' lives. The first one, we practice celebrating in our own hearts, personally. Second, we practice celebrating as the church, as a Christian community. And third, we practice celebrating within the world as Christians outside these walls. So, starting with the first and I believe the most important one, we practice and we grow in discipline as we celebrate. We're, we're, we're celebrating in our own minds and our own hearts in the way that we are turned to God. What this means is rejoicing at the work of God in your own life, right? Rejoicing at what God is doing, what God has done, the way that he saved you, responding to Jesus with joy and thanksgiving. As Jesus said, uh, abiding in him, abiding in God through obedience, right? We, we, We celebrate by abiding in him and by obeying God. So we practice this by uh, also by exercising our ability to choose what to dwell on, right? To choose the good things to think on, which God has made clear for us in His Word, and to to find joy in Him, and to celebrate that. And this is not necessarily easy. It's not always easy to to remember, you know, the good things. Uh, to remember the blessings and, and all of this, but that's why, that's why we should practice it. That's why we should cultivate a discipline in this kind of personal reflective celebration towards God and Thanksgiving. So, secondly, I suggested that we can celebrate within our church community and how convenient here we are. Um, this is, you know, we, we gather with joy, right? We gather with joy. Uh, we tell one another when we're here about the blessings that we know and that we share through God's redemptive work in us. We tell one another how thankful we are for Jesus and what He's doing. I think we're too reserved, <laughs> or or something. I don't know, or we have a fear of 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 just speaking the truth about what's happening. In our hearts and lives we need to be more open and this is a way that we honor god and we celebrate what he's doing by talking about it with one another and lifting one another up and as we do this in community we also have the opportunity to to give someone an arm up right when 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 our friend our brother or sister is is struggling and uh to feel like oh man what how how even could i celebrate right well we talk about it and we tell them and we remind one another and encourage one another about who we are in Christ and the good things that he's doing. As the psalm said, Psalm 150, we sing together, right? We rejoice with song. I love singing. I love the songs and the the time of worship that we have in church. It's so good. I love it, especially... uh, When the kids can be upstairs right we've had them here all summer during the worship service and and they run around in front of the speaker and they blast their eardrums they're going to be deaf before they even know um crashing into each other and and crying and stuff it's crazy but their joy is uncontainable they dance they sing they smile they uh sprawl out on the front step when the elders praying that was my both of my kids actually were relaxing up front As Brad shared this morning um, it's it's fine (laughs) sort of I reprimanded them but it's because I'm their dad (laughs) but you know generally speaking we would do well to to look at kids at the way that they that they celebrate and express their joy and and it's innate it's a gift from God right and and we've I think as adults we've come so far from that we do take ourselves so seriously but it would be it would be worthwhile to to learn to celebrate in 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 a similar way, perhaps not not I don't know as a mosh pit. does that count? <laughs> That's kind of what they're doing, but anyway, somewhere between that and and maybe where we are now, um, we celebrate together in church, and it's good and the the third area that uh, we practice and, and are disciplined in celebrating is with our, our neighbors, our friends, our family, the people around us. They may or may not know or believe what we do, but believe me, as you do this and, and display your, thanks, your thankfulness and your joy that you have because of life in, your life in Christ, this will be a powerful witness to anyone who's watching you right um scripture tells us if if you have a light if, if you have a light you don't hide it under a basket you let it shine right and this is kind of what i'm talking about with our joy and with our celebration we let what we have inside of us if our hearts are turned to god in celebration and in our community we celebrate then let it shine to to anyone and this will this will uh For sure, at least display to people who are otherwise reluctant or not interested. Someone who may never come to the gate with you on a Sunday morning. Um, this will be a testimony of the gospel to, to them and an encouragement, uh, for them to, you know, consider the joy that you have. Because Jesus, more than any other thing, is worth sharing, right? Worth sharing with our neighbors. We're sharing with this city that we live in. So I'm encouraging you to to think about it as you talk to people wherever you find yourself consider the ways that your hope and your joy from God the way that that translates and expresses the good news to people without even you, you know you may not necessarily be showing them scripture or anything but you do show them Jesus in the way that you act and live and it's beautiful on the flip side do we think that anyone who does not know Jesus would really be interested in him or in, in church or whatever, Christianity, if they came to church and they find a bunch of joyless and thankless people, would people stick around very long if this building was full of joyless, thankless people who know nothing about celebrating what they have? Of course not. I wouldn't want to, I, w- I would not come back. Thankfully, I believe we are joyful and we do celebrate and we're growing in this. So this is good, but I'm just saying on the other hand, you know, consider the alternative. It's not it's not a very compelling uh, invitation to people who don't know the Lord. So our, our our celebration it draws people to the source of our joy, right? And his name is Jesus. When we celebrate, we point people to the source of our joy with our thanksgiving. This is, this is good. It shows people the good news at work in our lives. Talking about celebration and reading about it, and in fact this morning downstairs this was shared as well, but I was reminded of uh, the story in Nehemiah chapter 8 where the priests are instructing God's people. Right? They're, they're giving the law to the people of God, and the people's response to hearing God's word was to weep. You are crying, which is often that's that's normal. But listen. And Nehemiah, who was the governor and Ezra, the priest and the scribe and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people. This day is holy to the Lord, your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. And then he said to them, Go your way. Eat the fat and drink the sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. We, easily, we remember that last verse, and, and it is something to hold on to. The joy of the Lord is your strength. But I wanted to read leading up to that. that the, the people were weeping, right? They were convicted. They were brought low. And the response from from Nehemiah, their leader, was, "Stop weeping. Go celebrate. Because of what you've heard and the truth about it, you'll be strengthened through God's joy. God's joy is your strength. So this means that, you know, regardless of whether we find ourselves in that, you know, place of weeping or or." or Or somewhere else it doesn't matter we can still enjoy the life that god has blessed us with because he is the source of of blessing and goodness right we celebrate because we have a god who is faithful he's unchanging in his love for us and as we believe him in this and and we place our hope in him we are we will for sure be strengthened by his joy we'll be strengthened by god's joy One more thing before we finish i i was interested uh reading about the word celebrate um, that the antonym or the opposite word for celebrate is unsung unsung is the opposite word of of celebrate or celebrated and so we know the word unsung because we talk about unsung heroes right this is an unsung hero is someone who does something amazing they they push someone out of harm's way or whatever whatever it is but then after they've done that they they just disappear back into the crowd and 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 so there's no glory or whatever they they don't draw any attention to themselves and thinking about this i felt convicted that if i am a christian i do not want jesus to be an unsung hero in my life i don't want jesus to be the unsung hero in my life, because Jesus is my hero. Jesus is my hero. He saved me. <laughs> he pushed me out of harm's way. He saved me. He saves me. I'm so thankful. But if I refuse to express my thanksgiving with joy, if I refuse to celebrate him. I'm afraid that the result is Jesus will just be an unsung hero And he deserves so much more than that. So instead, what do we do? We celebrate. We celebrate Jesus. We rejoice in the Lord. We rejoice in him always. He is at hand. And we do this. We think about the things which he's given us. We dwell on things that are true, honorable, pure, just, lovely, commendable, excellent, praiseworthy. The things of God. Right? We think about these things, for they come from him. We celebrate the goodness of God in our lives. We celebrate his presence in our midst and his redemption of, of, of all, over all time, but also the process in which we experience that in our daily living. And we give him thanks. We give him credit where it's due. So, if you know Jesus, what I'm getting at is that we need to reflect and think about what it would look like for us to celebrate him in our life, to be more disciplined, to practice more this this act of joyful thanksgiving and expressing it. How can you turn your heart to, towards God with joy? You know, internally in your own life. How can you contribute to this to to the way we celebrate in this church, right at the gate? How can your joy and thanksgiving witness to? Uh, your friends and neighbors and people who, who aren't here now but but who need to know about God. And His love for them. So reflect on these. Pray about these this morning as we move into communion and as we leave. Consider this. And could the band uh, please come up? They'll start playing for, for us as we have communion and worship. Speaking of heroes, right? Jesus' death on the cross was the most heroic and humiliating act in all of history. Simultaneously, Jesus' death on the cross was the most heroic and devastatingly humble act that has ever been committed in history. He died on the cross to undo the curse of, of death because of sin. He saves you and I by choosing to accept what was before him, the cross. And the way that he saved us was, in our terms, completely humiliating. He was punished, though he did not commit any sin. He was mocked, he was tortured publicly. And even there, the most amazing thing to me was even there, he extended grace, you know, to his murderers, to the the thieves on the crosses next to him. He was full of grace, even during his crucifixion. So communion, which we'll be taking in a moment, is the symbolic acceptance of Jesus' death for us on the cross. And in a way, communion celebrates, right? Communion celebrates the victory that Jesus won through his sacrifice. Truly. So we come back to the cross. We remember the depth to which God has gone to to show us his love, to make a way for us to be with him and to save us. We recognize Jesus' death and how horrible it was, but that it was the death to end all deaths. And because of that, we celebrate. We celebrate the way that Jesus made for each one of us to have a right and, and wondrous and joyful relationship with our Heavenly Father. In communion, we celebrate the glory of his, his victory, his victory over sin and death, his victory over the grave. And we look to Jesus again as our hope, as the hope of the world. And so we absolutely must take communion seriously and with reverence, but we do so knowing that the result of it is most worthy to be celebrated.